Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. God's word for today is written in the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. We pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that you would enlighten our mind and our heart now in this moment as we attend to your word, hear your call, hear your voice, the voice of the bread of life. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening, and we trust that your word is truth and gives life. In the name of Christ, Amen. Well, friends, we're still in John 6. I don't know how long we're going to stay there, but we've been there a while, and it's still worth being there, it seems to me, at least anyway. I hope it's like that for you. Uh, Today, well, we're going to be very clear. Not everyone accepted Jesus' teaching, and many struggled with his words. No different today, is it? In John chapter 6, we see him turning up the heat on people's real heart motivation. And people are being found out at the basic level. So as we wind our way through this pivotal part of the account of Jesus as John saw and heard it, his unique witness, unlike the other three Gospels, the picture is almost complete 
At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is a rock star. At the end, many turn back. He has fed the large crowd, the feeding of the 5,000 men, plus all and sundry, probably 10,000 people. And they saw what he can give. And they want him to give them more. And they want what he can give them, but it's unclear as to whether they really want him and their call on their lives. And Jesus has challenged their misplaced desire for more spectacular signs and wonders and the fixing of all their problems. And he diagnoses their heart problem. They want what God can give. They don't want God. They want to have more so they can live free and easy, doing life just the way they want. And we named these people the Freedom Fixers. And then there was the group within the group, if you recall, the religious leaders, the law keepers. They've also seen what Jesus can say and do, and they don't want more of it or more of him. They don't want more signs and wonders, but they do want power and place and name and possession. They want that maintained and they hope it will be increased. And among themselves, as we heard, the religious leaders, that is, the law keepers, they have differing beliefs about how God shapes them and the nation of Israel and the world. Some believe that everything is moving toward an afterlife, a resurrection to an afterlife where the good people get in and the bad people don't. Of course, they're the good people. Others believe that life is now here and heaven meets earth in one place, the temple in Jerusalem. And so the Sadducees, unlike the Pharisees we just mentioned, they want the Old Testament priesthood, the sacrifices, the temple itself. It must be maintained. Both the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the group within the group, the law keepers, are experts in how to please God and how to earn and win his approval, whether there's an afterlife or not. Keeping the law, keeping the rules, being very good is what counts. And they simply cannot and will not believe that God would be on the move in more and outside their rigid moralism and their strict teaching and their fervent study of the word and their hard work to please God and their long prayers and their sacrificial giving at the temple. And they cannot see that the God of the Old Testament could possibly be at work ushering in the new era of the Messiah through an uneducated man from up north from the wrong town. Jesus could just not possibly be anything like that bread from heaven that Moses and the people of God had to rely on and trust God for every day to even live. He couldn't be that. Even though he just says he is, I am the bread of heaven, I am the manna, he says. They can't believe it, they won't believe it, they won't rely on him or his word. And now, just when we thought it could get no more pointed, man, 
Unbelievable, astonishing words are spoken by the Saviour, both to those who want God to fix all their problems so they can live life free and easy, like winning the lotto, or to those who want everyone to be absolutely morally correct and pure and right all the time to earn their way into God's favour. Jesus drives right to the heart. Talk of bread for life now surprisingly turns to talk, and you heard it, of eating and drinking human flesh and blood. This bread is my flesh, he says. Eating and drinking human flesh and blood. Now, bread is nice, isn't it? Tananda Bakery, Lindock Bakery, Linky's Bakery, Angerston Sunrise Bakery, bread is nice. It's a staple diet. We love our bread here in the Barossa. But talking of eating and drinking human flesh and blood, cannibalism, this is extreme, highly, extremely offensive, particularly to the Jewish ear. And if you think about it, if you take your church language ears off and just take it for what it is, it's pretty offensive to me too. In the law of Moses, blood is God's business. Blood is a person's life force. And a person's life force is God's domain and God's domain only. Only God can give and take life. Thus the command not to spill blood, murder, the fifth commandment. Strictly forbidden. Even dealing with blood as a natural part of life is a very complex affair in the Old Testament law both for hygiene, when you haven't got any penicillin, but also for holiness, because God is the one who controls life, who gives life and takes life away, not human beings. So, to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood, can you hear how offensive that is on every possible level, particularly for the hearers, these Jewish people? To even think about that is pure evil. It's pure defilement of everything holy. What on earth are the freedom fixers and the law keepers supposed to do with a word like that? Completely understandably, the Sadducees and the Pharisees present are disgusted by this word. And the temperature goes up like the crowd at Adelaide Oval when the umpire gets a decision wrong. The religious leaders really fire up. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Oh, friends, not only does Jesus offend all sensibilities, he links his own flesh and blood to that thorny topic between Sadducees and Pharisees, resurrection. He is saying, basically, I believe, that their whole way of approaching the topic of God the person of God, everything they've ever learnt about how God approves of people is wrong. It's wrong. Life in God's approval is not about getting our problems fixed so we can live any way we want 
and neither is it about being very, very good. Meaning and purpose, our greatest hopes, our brightest future is all on him, the bread of life. And he is calling people to bite into the loaf. He is calling people to hook into that meal, his flesh and blood. In other words, him, his word, all of it, no crumbs left, a shiny clean plate. And there are no half measures, are there? You either take all of him or you take none of him. Life and hope and meaning is received on his terms, not mine. All of our human needs for healing and life and forgiveness and peace between us and lasting relationships and love and belonging, they are given via his means, his words, not our earning it or paying God off or ignoring God completely as we live the way we want, even if we have very good intentions. So friends, we hear those disturbing words this morning, and we wonder where we are at in response to the one question that all gospel writers ask. There's only one question they want you to respond to. We heard it last week and the week before. Do you remember it? Who is Jesus for me? That's the gospel question, and that's the now question. 21st century you, at your house, at your workplace, with your toys and all of your stuff and my stuff right now. Who is Jesus for me? When many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is difficult. We can't accept it. And because of this, Jesus' teaching, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. The bubble has burst. The rock star is no longer. He's called them, and they can't respond. I wonder whether the Holy Spirit is asking you the same question. Have you turned back? And when did it happen? Are you turning back now? Or are you thinking of turning back soon? Turning back to old reliances, old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, ignoring God or trying to earn God, but not wanting to be just with God. For us who know how the story ends, on the cross of flesh and blood, we hear now that our lives are only worthwhile and full of life and full of love via that flesh and blood cross of love where his flesh was torn open until it bled and the king of all kings was lifted up as John says on his suffering throne for the life of a suffering world which he did not come to condemn which he came to love John 3.16 we hear it in three words Jesus is more when we see him there and we hear those words there, surely we have to be shifted away from a Christianity that seems to be all about keeping the rules or being seen to be good by others 
or buying off God with our prayers and our duties and all of that or praying to get things when we are desperate enough or guilty enough. Surely we are moved from that and our heart is melted as the flesh and blood like ours is wounded like ours and is resurrected like ours and that eats fish on the beach with a fire like ours later on. And we remember that we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in the font. And we live in his blood. And we receive his body and blood and we ingest it here and we take it with us. And we are very different people. All of a sudden, prayer is no longer a duty. It's a conversation of delight. All of a sudden, serving isn't slavery. Serving is privilege. All of a sudden, worship isn't slavery and duty. Worship is being with him and each other. All of a sudden, giving of ourselves to his mission in this town isn't hard work. It's joy. It's freedom. All of a sudden, acts of love and kindness aren't ticking God's boxes to get him to like us. They are free. And they are fun. Christian faith is now not about being good. It's about being new in his grace every day of the week. Buildings and resources, these become mere means to being with him and to helping others be with him. And we are free of idolatry of buildings. We just want to be with him and with them and get them with him wherever we can. Music and art, now we're looking for his beauty in them so that others see him, not me. So, how will you best live? On what food are you partaking these days and is it really any good? What trough is your nose in? And is the trough delivering what it was supposed to or what everybody else says it should have? Shall we live by rigid rules at St. Petri and tell everybody in Europe they better be very good, otherwise God will punish them? Is that our message? Shall we trust our own goodness, get ourselves to heaven, wherever that may be and whatever that might mean, trusting our own goodness? Please, let's not do that. Shall we look for signs and wonders and anything spectacular that feels so very good as if our life in Jesus is really centred there? Or shall we just listen and receive words like human flesh and blood for human flesh and blood, human suffering for all humans who are suffering Lifted up in glory for the life of all who aren't. Bread, water, flesh, blood, white robes dipped in the blood of the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. His costly cross for my gracious freedom. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me 
will live. One word answer, one word to take away, resounding in the head and in the heart. Feed. Feed. Feed on the word. Feed on him, the bread of life, the cross of flesh and blood. Feed on him, the meal of flesh and blood, his word done and said. Receive his body and blood. Stay with others around him, especially when it doesn't feel too good or look too spectacular. Trust him in the ordinary, the everyday things that are miracles too. There he shows us that faith and life is not all about us being happy or safe or good, but simply new, loved, accepted, called, called by name to live in his name all the day long and to simply be with him. Feed on him and his word, friend, and you'll live. Amen. And the peace of God, which is beyond all of our understanding, keep our heart and mind in the bread of life. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au